Welcome back to A Widow's Heart. I'm Pam Lundell, and I pray you're doing better day by day on your journey. I'm finding amazing people with God's stories on how they navigated grief with grace and found new hope for the future. I can't wait for you to hear Rachel Angstrom's story today. She even wrote a book. We'll talk about it later, but I love her quote, positivity is key. You can choose to be bitter or better. It's not always easy to be better, but it helps you make it through to brighter days. Amen. Grab a cup of coffee and let's get going. You know, you make decisions, you do things, at least I did, that were atypical for me. And the people are like, yeah, you're in a widow fog. And I was like, I was. I'm Pam Lundell, and this is A Widow's Heart. My special guest, episode five, I can't believe it, of A Widow's Heart, is an amazing young woman named Rachel Engstrom, who is going to share her unique story of being a widow. And Rachel, I want to welcome you to A Widow's Heart. And um, I remember standing by my husband's casket at his homegoing service and people telling me, you're amazing. God's going to use this. How did you feel when when, when they said that to you immediately after he passed away? Yeah. So my late husband, Grayson, he was sick for two years and three months. So it was one of those things where I think because I have a background, I have my master's in social work, I've worked in with, you know, behavioral health, all these types of things. My story, I feel, is really unique in that I was able to see it, but not understand it, see it as he was dying And then after he died in those things and just kind of calmly accept it, if that makes sense, calmly Mm -hmm. accept it, but also know we had such a strong faith. So I had been with him since I met him when I was 19. He was about to be 26. He died two days after I turned 31, kind of jumping up ahead a little bit in my story. But when people told me that it was more, I guess I, I didn't have people tell me that. Um, I didn't have people tell me that I didn't, I think part of it was cause I was 31. It was so weird to, for people to try to get or support that I'm 28 and my husband has cancer and that I'm 31 and you know, your husband has died. So I think it was more of people really didn't know what to say. They, mm-hmm. you know, I heard all through his illness, I had caring bridge post and Facebook post of oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. You can do this. You can beat this. And after you died, you're so strong. You can get through it. But no one really knew what to say or say God will use your plan or your story because I think it was just such such a shock. She's so young. He was so young. Yeah. Well, well, so Rachel, let's, let's go back to that time and let's um, first talk about your husband, Grayson, and um, what his diagnosis was and, and what your um, journey was before he passed away. Yeah. So here we had Chinese food on um, New Year's Eve and he had a fortune cookie that said you're about to have a major life change. We uh. did not know 15 <laughs> days later, that would mean that he would be diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Um, I have no family here in Minnesota. I moved here in 2000 to go to the University of Minnesota. And um, it was just really tough. The first five weeks, he was um, intensive in the hospital. He was put in a clinical trial right away um, for a protocol they use for children with leukemia because it's usually children or the elderly that get the kind that he Mm. had. He was 35. I was 28. Um, We'd been married 
since 2004, we met in 2001. And, you know, it just, it was, it was very weird, very bizarre, but I jumped into it. My background of the social work and all those things that I just said, it was, um, you know, advocacy wise, I knew, okay, this is what we need to do. This is how I look things up. And I spent hours and hours and hours on the computer trying to come up with resources to support myself. Definitely there's all the things that are available now, even, you know, 11 years ago when this happened, it was not, wasn't there in 2011 when he got sick, let alone, you know, 2013 when he died. But so I'm trying to figure it out, trying to work full time. Um, My parents came and lived with us for a total of 18 months, taking shifts, um, taking care of him. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'd been married 45 years at the time. Um, Now it's coming up on or just was 56. So it's just, I had these blessings in my life of you know, things are horrible, but, you know, he worked nights the entire time we were together until he got sick. So that's despite being in hospitals and clinics or at home and him not feeling well, this was a gift of time that was given to us that we truly believed was a gift from God. Um, so we just kind of went through it and chugged through with the train. You know, the car stopped sometimes longer than we thought they would go. But I truly thought we're so young, you know, we had wanted to start a family and do different things like that. And we're so young, nothing, nothing is bad is going to happen. He's going to get better. It's going to go to the, you know, regular schedule program, you know, those types of things. Yeah. And then ultimately he had a bone marrow transplant after he relapsed and it just, the bone marrow transplant took. Um, But unfortunately the side effects, you know, just tore up so many of his different organs and he, like I said, he died two days after I turned 31, and it was, it was really, really tough and really, really awful. But it was very peaceful to know he donated his body to the University of Minnesota. He would do extra bone marrow biopsies and spinal taps and all kinds of stuff just for research to help other people. And I just had such a sense of peace as I'm doing awful things like signing the papers and right. things like that to take him off life support. I just had God's peace that whole time because I knew that he wasn't going to suffer anymore. I had no idea what the road in front of me looked like, but I knew he wasn't going to suffer. And I knew that the love that I had was real and the love that I gave was real and somehow I would be okay. Mm. We're talking with Rachel Engstrom, my special guest here on A Widow's Heart, and just grateful for you to share your journey, um, uh, your perspective, and how God has worked in your life um, before and after Grayson's death. But you know, but his uh, his eternal life in heaven, as you mentioned, is mm-hmm. is what we we cling to, and that he's not suffering anymore. But yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of you as you know, 31 years old, and you're having to sign um, papers to take him off of life support. And what was that like? I feel like I can ask you that because as widows, we share stuff that we usually don't share Mm -hmm. with other people. But um, did that just not take your breath away? It did. It did. It it was... It was really bizarre. I mean, when you're going through this and you're seeing this, like I was told he died on a Sunday. I was told on a Wednesday, I'm sorry by several doctors, Mm -hmm. just the words, I'm sorry. So I had five days to kind of wrap my mind around what was going to happen. There's nothing they can do to help his body at any point. Of course, they're going to try. But the whole time it was like I was floating above myself, watching myself, going through the motions, going through these types of things. And pretty soon I will, on April 19th, I will turn 40. On April 21st, it will be nine years since he died. And I was 31 and he was 37. 
And it was just one of those things where it was like, this isn't supposed to happen, but somehow this is going to happen. Somehow this is happening and it is what it is. And it was what the ugliest part of the whole thing was not even his death because it was beautiful and I played music and, you know, mm. laid there with him and waited, you know, they took him off oxygen, waited his first heart to stop. But what, what the weird thing was, it was during those days leading up to what you know you have to do, you're thinking... I either just want to pull the plug now or I want you to get up and walk out of this room with me. Right. It has to be one or the other. I would just like this to be over sooner than later because we're prolonging, you know, the inevitable. So it was, it was really tough. Mm. Rachel Angstrom, my guest on A Widow's Heart, we're so grateful for your transparency today. And mm -hmm. um, a few years after that, Rachel wrote a book called Wife, Widow, Now What? How I Navigated the Cancer World and How You Can Too. This is an extraordinary book. It's a love story. Um, as you say, it's like you take someone's hand and walk them through the process, the answers that you needed that you didn't have at the time, and put mm -hmm. all that into a very unique book. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I actually have the book in chronological order of the Facebook post, the Caring Bridge post, our story, like, I'm telling you, as he's diagnosed, questions to ask. As, you know, you're doing treatment plans, that. As I'm trying to figure out how do I work, what do I do with his employer, what do I do as far as insurance and disability and what is a copay and what is a deductible and all those types of things, I'm telling you the humor, the ins, the outs, how I dealt with things, how I felt about things. I even have people's replies back, the support back, the real time. So it's all in real time how I'm navigating it. Part one is um, his illness. Part two is Rachel 2.0, the second I walk out of the door of his hospital room after he's mm -hmm. died. So then it's how do you navigate a funeral? How do you do a funeral on the cheap? How do you ask people for help? How do you restructure your finances? I have a lot about in both parts about finances during illness and after and, you know, can mm -hmm. you afford your house? All those types of things that because you don't think you're going to have a home you're going to pay for just yourself or, you know, all those types of things. So I decided one day, you know what? It was about 10 months after he died. I was like, you know what? It's, but this was so hard and there are no answers. So I'm really proud, you know, by God's grace to be able to have a positive spin on this that I went through something so horrible. I was able to use humor. I was able to show accurately in this book, it is a roller coaster and you don't get a choice mm -hmm. whether you're buckled up and that baby starts, you're on yeah, it. Yeah. So it's, it's how I did it, how I faced it, and then tips of, um, you know, things I wish I would have known or people would have given me that advice. Yes. Wife, Widow, Now What is the name of the book, How I Navigated the Cancer World and How You Can Too. Now, I've been creeping on you on social media, so mm -hmm. I know a little bit about you and a lot and learning a lot more. <laughs> and <laughs> Rachel, tell us about your tattoos. I'm jealous. I still haven't yeah. gotten a tattoo, but I have mine all planned. I'll tell you about it, but you tell me about yours. Yeah. So uh, this is, you know, every time I get a new one, it's been several years, but my parents are like, you mutilated your body. <laughs> but I got his name on the inside of my wrist with a little purple star. So I said, I always said, you are my star. Um, two weeks after he got diagnosed, because one day he cried as I was leaving to go home and he said, no, please don't leave me. Please don't ever leave me. Oh, and I was like, honey, well, oh. apparently my wedding ring isn't enough. Let's do this. So I got that. And then a year after, and then he like, I went to his hospital room because he was treated at the University of Minnesota hospitals in the tattoo parlor was around the corner. 
And it was my first one and it was just a weird, I mean, it's a, to get a tattoo, it's a really big adrenaline rush. Of course, it's super painful, but I just ran, you know, ran on the block and showed him. And then he told me, you know, for the next two weeks, he told anybody and everybody that came in his hospital room, my wife got my name tattooed. (laughs) And then once it was a year from his diagnosis on the inside of my other wrist, I have a little flower on either side and then it says strength and then the line below faith and then the line below courage. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after um, he died, nope, nope, for my 30th birthday, I got the luckiest tattooed on the inside of um, my left foot. It says the luckiest. It's a Ben Fold song that was our song at our wedding. Oh, okay. I played for him um, as he's dying, I played it. And then I have a butterfly on each side. And then after he died, two um, months after he died, I thought, you know what? Things have been really bad, but I've actually had some surprises. God's just given me these surprises, things I don't understand, but I, you know, I'm going to go with it. So I got a giant um, peacock feather that takes pretty much my whole inside of my right calf with the word serendipity. Holy cow. I only saw the ones on your arms. <laughs> yeah, no, I have that. Yep. And then on the inside of my left arm, in big script, I have the word blessed. And I remember mm-hmm. as I'm getting it, it was the end, it was like around Christmas 20, it was December 21st, 2014. And I know because I called my sister because it's her birthday and told her and she's like, I can't believe you did that. But <laughs> I remember as I'm getting it tattooed, I was like, oh, this year has been so hard. And the guy that was tattooing me said, well, why, why are you getting this? Then I said, because God is still good. and then I have all these things to mark my late husband and getting through it so I have the initial um the first letter of my husband now um an e for Ethan on the inside of um my other arm underneath strength faith courage Oh my goodness. Well, my life verse, and I found it during a a Bible study with some widows, they were all 80 plus years old. And I was really mad Mm -hmm. when I got there because I'm like, you got to be with your husband for like 50, 60 years. And I didn't, it was only 11 years. And that was just Mm -hmm. my, my smallness because I grew to love them and learn so much from them. And my life verse is Psalm 91, four, he will cover you with his feathers and under his Mm -hmm. wings, you will find refuge. And that I collect flamingos, pink flamingos, and I have all kinds of, so I'm going to get a flamingo. And I'm going to put that address on the wing, Psalm 914. But I'm still chickening out. I haven't done it yet, but I've got it planned. Where are you going to put it? I don't know. (laughs) I'm thinking. You know, I think it's weird when people do their shoulders and things like that because you can really only see it if you look in the mirror. But Mm -hmm. what's nice about mine is they're in the insides of my arms. So if I have my like palm like face down, like Mm -hmm. my arms like that, you don't even know I have tattoos. But then so also can, people will ask you about them and you can share yeah, your story, right? That is true. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Hey, it's A Widow's Heart. I'm Pam Lundell. My guest is uh, the amazing Rachel Engstrom, written that wonderful book after the uh, death and going through a cancer journey with her husband, Grayson. Wife, widow, now what? That's also the name of your website. And we'll have mm-hmm. links to all of these on, on our Facebook page as well, Rachel. But I, I as you were talking about your book, um, there's Rachel Part 2 and and you said, I mean, in the, the immediate hours and the, the days after the death, it's, it's a little foggy, isn't it? It is. And I didn't know until I'd been on other podcasts that like what I like the couple years after he died, you know, you make decisions, you do things, at least I did, that were atypical for me. And people are like, yeah, you're in a widow fog. And I was like, I was. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you and you mentioned surprises too. Can you tell us about some of those surprises that God had for you amidst the grief? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I had some uh, one of my siblings and his spouse totally did not understand. My parents were like, "You have no idea what she's gone through." But I decided to go on a cruise to Alaska. Um, two months I've after done he, that. I've yeah. done that. It's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, I went by myself two months after he died. People had friends that had a fundraiser and I used the money for that. And that's what my sibling was like. Meh. And my parents were just like, she's seen it all. You know, she's got to get away. So this is a couple days after the big peacock feather tattoo. I go and so I'm on the boat. Um, so I went, I did like 17 days total. I was in Alaska, never been before. People are always like, you know, I, or I always said I would never go on a cruise because I've seen the Titanic. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be a widow at 31 either. Right. So oh. as the boat is leaving, I'm crying and I'm saying, Ethan, or excuse me. I said, Ethan, that's my husband now. Yeah. I said, Grayson, give me a, sh give me a sign. Show me that you're here. And an eagle swooped out of nowhere, flew in my eyesight, turned its head, looked at me and flew away. And I was like, oh. okay, I get it. Oh, Rachel. But Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether it was that or I remember um, near the end of my trip, well, first of all, you're seeing glaciers and mountains and these gigantic things that only God can make. I mean, yes. it really makes you feel the size of a pea when you're standing on top of a mountain. <laughs> you know, you're just like, okay, I'm going to be all right. I don't know how, but I'm going to be all right. But I remember I was in Anchorage watching a movie of this guy that had spent hundreds of hours filming the Northern Lights in Alaska. And I was sitting there in the dark by myself after I'd been on this boat and having this up and down emotional journey for a couple weeks. And I just remember watching the Northern Lights, you know, all up above me in the dark and thinking, oh my gosh, I just felt like God picked me up, gave me a big hug and was like, you're going to be okay. And patted oh. me on the back and, you know, threw me off his lap and on I went. Oh and my I just goodness. Yeah. I just remember being like, oh, I'm going to be okay now. I know. And Rachel, I've got to share a quick story with you too. On the yeah. first anniversary of John's death, um, I wanted to stay home and have a pity party. And mm -hmm. my sister um, and her family were going to uh, Bayfield, Wisconsin to go sea kayaking on Lake Superior. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you're coming with us. And I said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And so grumpily, I, I, I went along. And if I had missed out on that, it was such a God thing. The day mm -hmm. was 85 degrees. It's never like this on Lake Superior, right? Mm -hmm. We had some training. We got in our kayaks and you could see 20 feet down and you could see the fish and the rocks and the sun going through the water. And we went through sea caves and it was so amazing. And it was just like God said, see all of this I have created and you almost mm -hmm. missed it, you know, and it was just such a promise yeah. from heaven that, you know, it's, it's still difficult, but it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Those, I love those stories. I think that's so amazing. I, even when I knew my husband I have now, even, so we met working, I ended up somehow in the cubicle next to him at a new job, new career after I'd been working three part-time jobs, just trying to keep my house. Um, so I land this new job. He's been praying for someone every day on the way to work, just even a Christian friend for like six months. He's been praying out loud in the car on the way. And I land in the cubicle next to him. And months later, after we started dating and I realize I love him, I'm sitting there one day and I look out the office building and an eagle swoops by, turns and looks at me. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> no way. 
I, know, I love right? your, your, your quote. You, you have so many great ones from the book. When life gives you super sour lemons, add a lot of sugar and Thanks. make lemonade. That, that is so mm-hmm. great. Um, what encouragement do you have? Um, I want to say specifically for younger widows, because I know it's shocking whenever, whenever it happens to you, you know, and, and I was, I was 41 when my husband mm-hmm. passed away and I thought that was young, but boy, when you're 31 years old, that's amazing. That's really tough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I originally wrote this book, I was thinking cancer, but definitely it's applicable to any sort of illness, any sort of, um, you know, anticipatory grief, whatever you're going through, especially now, unfortunately with COVID, all the millions of people that have lost people to COVID. I think that it's just, it's possible to be okay with not being okay for quite a while. I actually had this young woman look up the keywords. She Googled cancer and widow, and she's in Bogota, Colombia. And she contacted me a few weeks ago and her husband had died the week before. And we've been talking several days a week and she's just so excited. She's 30. She's so excited because she's like, I thought I was the only person. I thought Uh I was the only one. And I'm like, oh, honey, no, (laughs) you know, no. And just talking to her and going through those things, letting her know, you know, she said she wouldn't act on it, but she has those thoughts. Would it be better if I just weren't here too? And I'm, you know, I don't know if, you know, at first, you know, when you talk to someone new, you don't, especially virtually, you know, I didn't say like, oh, I'm a Christian, are you? But it was just, you know, it sounds like she is. And it's just one of those types of things that I just keep saying, you know, God's got a plan or you're going to get through this. And I'm, I'm really one not to sugarcoat anything. And I think it's really important to say it will be a bumpy ride. It will be a bumpy ride for quite a while. But God also did not say you're going to have a perfect life. Things are going to be easy. And I think that understanding, you know, I really don't like when people – I. It, I feel like this sounds awful, but this is true to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of the saying, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. I think we are certainly given more than we can't, more than we can handle. However, what we're given from God that I think is key is the grace of how to deal with it. Hey, I'm so grateful that a wonderful nonprofit supports a widow's heart. They're called Wings for Widows. From them, I've learned that more than 85% of women of all ages responding to a survey said that being the sole financial decision maker is the most challenging aspect of being a widow. I know I was there when I lost my first husband and I wish I had Wings for Widows back then. Their mission is to provide personalized financial wellness coaching to help widows move forward with confidence and hope. You can learn more at wingsforwidows.org. All services provided at no cost. That's wingsforwidows.org. We're talking with Rachel Engstrom. She is um, uh, was a young widow, and she wrote a wonderful book that I hope that you can check out called Wife, Widow, Now, now What? But you bring up something amazing, what you just said, God won't give you more than you can handle. And that's one thing, that one of those things, isms, that's not in the Bible. He will mm-hmm. give you... He, he won't, he doesn't give it to you. It's an imperfect world. We're going to go through stuff, but what he gives us is his Holy Spirit and his presence mm-hmm. going through it with us and giving us that amazing hope that others don't have who don't have Jesus in their heart. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and amen. And I'm, I'm off the soapbox. What <laughs> 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 I love is too, you said the greatest gift we have in life is human connection. It's free. It has no bounds and reaching out to someone and being able to say, I'm sorry, I've been there. And to actually mean it can change mm-hmm. someone's outlook. It's very powerful. Thank you. Mm. I actually just started a job in November. I worked at Cigna for years, helping people get connected to counseling. And I started a job at Anthem in November. And when I got it, I bawled my eyes out because I'm a cancer care health educator, helping newly diagnosed cancer patients get virtual second opinions. And it's what are the chances that I'm going to go from a sobbing cancer widow to someone who helps people going through cancer? And the only answer is God. Because I think the biggest thing to know is the pain that you're going through and that you have right now um, through grief and loss, and especially as a widow or widower, that it's more than likely it's going to steer you towards, unless you completely shut it out forever, it's going to steer you towards volunteering or connecting or maybe career path or whatever that is. Or like you just said, being able to say, I've been there, I'm so sorry, and mean Mm -hmm. it and not just have it be a platitude because you know... Pam, the worst thing you can do is be like, oh, I understand my grandma died or my mom died. And you want to be like, yeah, you don't get it. <laughs> oh, and especially as a young widow, you can get married yeah. again. What? what? Yeah. So um, and and in honor of Grayson, you have done so much too. you know, talking about mm-hmm. what you, you just said. Um, tell us a little bit about what what you've done um, for, for for cancer and for people going through that besides writing this amazing book and your amazing ministry. Thank you. Yeah, I actually um, give platelets once a month, which is not fun. He had so many platelet um, donations. Um transfusions that he had you know when you have leukemia you need those platelets which are the white pieces of the blood cells that they take out so once a month I go and have these huge needles stuck into my veins on each arm as I sit there and laugh watching Netflix and different things like that and the first time I went I completely just lost it when I got in my car because I could not fathom when I had to leave him at the hospital you know and go to work and go home and do all these things this was his life all the time so I'm like yeah this is nothing I can do this I can do this and my husband has started going with me as well now giving um as well which is super cool there's a way to go yeah (laughs) there's a local uh, men's caregiver coalition here called jacks that I facilitate one of their clatches um where you can get together and just kind of detox and you know talk about life and where you're at and get some support so I do that once a month I run all of their social media posts um just I think you know being I've been on you're my 53rd podcast so I'm Mm -hmm. trying to you know speak out as many different ways whether it's cancer or mental health or grief or loss or all those types of things I think it's really important to get out there I would love for Oprah somehow to get my book, <laughs> but we'll it's one it of those things that, yeah, because it's, because this is. Hey, listen, only... you're on, you're on a widow's heart. This is better than Oprah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because this book is the only one in the world like this. That's why I so desperately wanted to get out there because it's the during, before, after, whatnot. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that to say, oh, this is how you navigate insurance and, and try not to fall apart in front of your spouse. You know, all those, all those types of things. So I I really enjoy talking to people and I'm kind of like the widow whisperer. I have different people reach out to me and randomly 
and I'm always just willing to talk and help and give my experience and, you know, give suggestions. And it's, it's pretty oh, that's cool. wonderful. Well, Rachel, I mean, we could go on and on here, but I've just have a couple more questions for yeah. you, including, um, what advice, um, and you are the one to give it. Um, do you, do you have for anyone who is a caregiver going through this much? Um, my husband, as I mentioned, died of an accidental drug overdose, but there was two, three years of illness and, um, mm-hmm. you know, going into treatment and, and all this kind of stuff and then managing home. And there were two kids at home. I mean, sure. yeah. <laughs> and after he, he passed away, I got physically sick. It's like all of a sudden mm-hmm. all the adrenaline went away. So how, what, what are your tips for caring for yourself as you are a caretaker? I think one of the most important things you can do is have a therapist. Go see someone. I'm a big proponent for mental health in general. Mm -hmm. But having your own person you can talk to is so important. That's unrelated, too. It's not a family member. Yeah, yep. It's unrelated. And I know, for example, I was super scared about certain things. And I would tell my late husband, you're in your own personal Afghanistan. You're going through your own thing right now. You know, this is your job. Do the best that you can. But I was also there on the front lines, but I couldn't tell him my fears. I couldn't shelve, you know, everything off my bookshelf and throw it onto his as well when his was already full. So I think having someone you can talk to, taking those breaks, you really have to not feel guilty about, you know, I would go to a concert with friends or out for coffee or out for dinner or things like that every now and then. And Part of me thought, you know, I wonder if people are judging me. And then I thought, I actually, I can't care. I have to do this for myself because you will burn out. Everyone burns out from caregiving. But definitely, you know, having a network of people that can understand you, including a therapist, but having, you know, your touchstone person you can text and be like, oh, my gosh, this is going on. And, you know, they know in that point in their life, I had several people that, whether it's family or friend, we're like, okay, we're not going to talk about ourselves right now. We're just going to give Rachel the space she needs to vent and do those Mm -hmm. things. And I think that it's so important to um, do that. I think the other thing is, um, and I talk about how to do this and ideas of this in my book is how to ask for help. The toughest thing is when someone is going through illness or someone has died, people don't know what to do. So sometimes they do nothing and they want to fix you or fix the situation and they can't. But what they can do, they can shovel your driveway. They can mow your yard. They can go to Target. You just have to (laughs) figure out the ways you want to be able to navigate that. You know, and when my husband passed away um, and I it was it was August and so then winter came and mm-hmm. I was out shoveling and, and my brother-in-law did come over and helped me with the uh, with the, you know, with the snow plowing and stuff like that. But I remember sure. thinking, I wish someone would just make me a sandwich as a single widow. Yeah. That doesn't happen. If you have kids, there's meal trains and all kinds of stuff going on. But I just remember that recurring. Oh, I wish, you know, I don't have the energy to make a sandwich. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, Rachel, you are amazing, and we really appreciate your time. WifeWidowNowWhat.com. It's also the name of her book. Um, If you are on a cancer journey or any grief journey, there's going to be some hope and encouragement there that you can really grab onto. Um, where, Where do you see your faith life, your ministry going from here? Yeah, you know, what I want to do is I would love to be like a motivational speaker. I would love to do something like Lisa Harper, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. But it's it's one of those things where I I really and it's tough because of COVID, like I've been doing my church virtually for the last couple of years. But it's one of those things where I would just love to speak to faith communities, love to speak to, um, 
you know, I've even emailed different colleges and different things like that, the mortuary science programs, grief and loss programs, counseling. So I really see it as something where I'm just going to continue to reach out. It's exhausting, but continue to reach out because it's the, it's the, um, I forget the number, but it's like the, it's the one I'm trying to reach, not the other 99. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's that type of thing where, you know, I want to be faithful in the few of the things that I have right now. And, you know, I really believe God's led me to be able to help other people. Um, this is not something people want to talk about. I didn't realize until I was on all these podcasts, how taboo it is, how taboo, you know, illness, grief and loss and these things are. And I went through it and was able to see it as beauty in the awfulness at the time. And, And now as well, I just, yes, I went through something incredible and I lost, you know, the most important person in my life. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't, you know, I would take away his illness. I'd take away his pain. I'd take away his death, of course, but I wouldn't take away what it's made me as a person. And God just continues to blow my mind. It's pretty cool. Amen. Hey, Rachel, would you mind um, praying just a a short prayer for anyone listening right now? I know you've lifted them up and your joy is just uh, effervescent. And uh, (laughs) I think it would be a great way to wrap things up. Sure, sure. God, Father, I ask that you help those in pain. I ask that you help those that are struggling. It's a tireless journey, but just as I tell so many people, my favorite poem, Footprints, you've never dropped me. You've always been carrying me, and I truly believe that that is something that you are doing for all of us. Please provide peace and comfort and understanding and knowing that there are people that have been through things and there are resources out there to help people to make them feel alone. Thank you in your name we pray, amen. You can really dive into Rachel's story on her website and with her book, both titled Wife, Widow, Now What? Take care of yourself and treat yourself to something wonderful. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Widow's Heart. And thank you to our sponsor, Wings for Widows. If you know a widow, please share. If you are a widow, know you're loved, cherished, and protected under his wings. A Widow's Heart is a product of University of Northwestern St. Paul Media and is available on Apple, Spotify, and Google.